good. Okay, let's try that again. Some of you may not know it. God is good. And all the time. There you go. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent. What an exciting day. It's a, it's a day that's very special. I'll tell you two reasons why. One, this is the Sunday where the lighter officially runs out of fuel. So you can't light the candle. It's also the first Sunday where the Advent greenery is officially dry enough to become a fire hazard. So we're going to light candles next to something really dry and brittle. But it's also special because we are that close to Christmas, that close to celebrating the birth of Messiah, Savior, Jesus. As we get ready to wrestle with today's scripture, let us pause and go to the Lord for guidance, for strength, that he might open our eyes as we look. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this fourth Sunday in the season of preparation, the season of waiting and expecting, the season of Advent. And now, Lord, we turn our gaze beyond. We start looking now, Lord, with, with even more expectation for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to, to celebrate the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. So, Lord, as we continue in this journey of scripture and discovery we look now to the words of Matthew we pray that these words would not be so familiar to us today that they would be something new something fresh that we would look at this word not assuming we know it not assuming we know what it says or what it means but with open eyes to hear your word loud and clear, strong and true. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're a little kid like me, there's another reason why this Sunday is so exciting, because yes, it's getting closer to celebrating the birth of Jesus, but also that much closer to getting presents. It's the time to get prizes, to get gifts. How many of you have traditionally with your family open gifts on Christmas Eve. All right. How many of you typically Christmas Day? How many of you will do it whenever and however and as often as possible? <laughs> That's me. But Christmas Day changes or, or that Christmas moment changes for us as we get older, doesn't it? I remember when I was a little kid, I would just stay awake as long as I could till I would hear my dad begin to snore and then I would immediately sneak out and, and go and see all the things, all the things. Maybe it was a G.I. Joe action figure with the kung fu grip or a new pair of boots or, or, or maybe it was a, a fishing pole, who knows, but it was always exciting and there was always lots of it. We were a bit spoiled, I guess. Then when you become an adult, if you happen to have kids yourselves, it all shifts. And the excitement and the joy is watching them open up the, the G.I. Joe action figure with the kung fu grip while you open up your box of socks. <laughs> and you start to wonder how many ugly sweaters can your children give you? <laughs> how many ties can your uncle or your grandmother pass on to you. 
And then eventually, and this is true for all people who have parents, when you start to be the adult child yourself and you're giving gifts to your senior adult parents, so often this has been the truth for me that I give my dad something he has no idea how to work. <laughs> and you're so excited about it. Look at this new gadget, this new gizmo, this new piece of technology. Dad, it'll make your life so much better. And then two weeks later, it's still in the box, sitting on a shelf, collecting dust, because he doesn't know what to do with it. Sorry, Dad, if you're watching. Love you. It reminds me of this story of an elderly widow woman named Margaret, whose son was, like me, very well-intentioned, well-meaning, wanted to make her life easier. She had a microwave oven that was probably one of the first ever made. It was those kinds where you turn the dial to the time and then you just hit start and that's it. That's all you can do with that microwave. Turn to the number of minutes and hit start and it goes. And, and she loved it. She had no complaints. But her son one day coming over for dinner was staring at that microwave and he got this idea for Christmas. That this year he was going to buy her a proper microwave oven. One with all of the bells and whistles and gadgets and functions and one that could set timers and reminders and could cook a steak if she wanted to. And so he went out and found the most advanced, newest microwave, wrapped it up, gave it to her, and oh, she was so excited, so thankful, so gracious. He showed her exactly how to use it in detail, step by step. A week later, he comes to visit his mom and sees there is that brand new, highly functioned, very advanced microwave oven on a stand and sitting on top of it was the old microwave. <laughs> mom, why aren't you using the, the new one? She said, I don't know how that thing works. I just want to boil water and cook my frozen dinners and I know how to do that on the old one. So he said, you know, you just need better instructions. And he showed her again how to use it. Wrote down on a paper, step by step, big letters. Drew pictures, how to push what button and when. And posted it on the wall beside the brand new microwave. In fact, he was so confident in his instructions, he took the old one away and said, I'm going to trash it. I'm going to take it to the rubbish bin, Mom. You don't need this one anymore. A few days later, the phone rings. Honey, how does this thing work? I just want to boil water. And so he says, Mom, let me explain it to you again. There's instructions right there. Do you need better instructions? And her reply was, Son, I love the gift. I don't need a gift with better instructions. I need it to come with you. <laughs> that when you are here, it works. I understand it. I can cook with it. So as we think about this season of Christmas, the gift, as we will see in our passage today from Matthew, is so clear. 
The gift is salvation. The gift is eternal life in Christ. The gift is everlasting salvation throughout eternity with God in his kingdom. But how wonderful is it to know that the gift didn't just come with better instructions. It came with the Son. It came with the one who knows how it all works. It comes with the one who created it. That's the gift of Christmas. And as we look at this Matthew passage, chapter 1, verse 18, Matthew is telling us again the truth of that story, that the gift is salvation, but the giver himself is the one who comes bearing the gift. How wonderful. In verse 18, now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's a wonderful word that Matthew uses, found. It it, it literally refers to discovering through inquisition. When I think about inquisition, I think about interrogation. You know, when in the movies they turn the spotlight on the suspected criminal and they ask the suspect all of these hard questions. Where were you on the night of? That's the idea. It's discovering through questioning. So she's not just found to be with child. There were questions. (laughs) There were people who wanted to know, and how are you pregnant, Mary? Because Matthew just told us Mary is not married. Mary is engaged, but the, the union has not yet happened. And so, you know, you can see the Inquisition going where she starts to show some signs, maybe a little bump, a little baby bump is starting to form. Mary, have you been eating too much? What's this? Cole, not to pick on you, Cole, but Cole and I were talking about things you never ask women. Never ask a woman if she's pregnant. (laughs) But someone probably did, Mary. Maybe there was morning sickness. Maybe there was other signs of pregnancy. It's amazing to think of how real and raw the true story of Christmas is, that she was a real woman, a human being, with real problems, these normal things that women deal with in the early signs of pregnancy. It's hard to imagine morning sick Mary, but she was. And so people began to ask questions. And you know that there were nosy neighbors Every neighborhood has the gossips. Walk down the street and you'll see two old women with their heads hanging out of the window telling each other, did you see what they put in the trash yesterday? Did you see what they went? Nothing has changed, my friends. In the time of Mary, I guarantee you, there were people whispering in the neighborhood. Well, I heard when her family went to Jerusalem last month, she met a guy. And you know how those Jerusalem boys can be. Did you see? She's pregnant and they're not married. All of the whispers and wonderings. But Matthew tells us something 
that the rest of the people don't know yet. He, he states it in a way like it seems obvious. She has been found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But I don't think everyone knows this at this point. And I know Joseph does not know this because just look at the very next verse. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Mary, highly favored, but her husband was willing to put her out, to put her away. It says he's a righteous man. In other words, he's doing what is righteous, not what is legal. When Joseph found out Mary was pregnant, he could have had her taken out in the streets like the adulterous woman in Jesus' day. The law of Moses says we are to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? You remember that story? So he could have done all of that, but he loved her. He cared about this woman. And so Matthew tells us this detail that his plan was to just send her away privately, secretly, no, no reason to publicly shame her. So he doesn't get it. He has not found that she was with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, just like every other human being, is probably thinking a million thoughts right now in this story. How could she do this? Who's the father? How did this happen? I cannot believe she would do this to me. What a disgrace. How can I protect her? And on and on. His mind swirling. And so he's finally resolved to this plan to just send her away quietly. Verse 20, but just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now he knows. I don't know what this dreamlike angelic vision would have looked like, but I know it would have been amazing, awesome. Keep in mind, angels in the biblical descriptions are not fat little babies with wings, but sometimes they're depicted as awesome, terrifying, otherworldly, bizarre creatures. And so this angel appears to him and it is convincing. He gets it. It's the Holy Spirit, Joseph. You see, guys, sometimes we just need someone to tell us something very plainly. We're, we're kind of thick in the head sometimes. And so God's like, all right, go tell him. Make sure he gets it and sends his angel. And now he knows. Don't be afraid of this, Joseph. Sometimes when you are a part of what God is doing, God needs to tell us, don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of what I'm doing here. Don't be afraid to be a part of this. And maybe it will make you look like a fool in the community. Maybe everyone will whisper about you, Joseph. Maybe some people will ridicule you, mock you, but don't be afraid of it. 
I think it's the same way today that when God puts a calling on our lives, our first response is a fear factor response. I don't know that I can do that. We can't afford that ministry. We can't, I don't have the skills to teach that. I don't have the gifts that I need to lead that. And sometimes God comes to us and kicks us in the backside and says, don't be afraid. This is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Conceived of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is pointing back to the scripture that that Catherine read to us from the prophet Isaiah. He's moving us towards this understanding of fulfillment. And I love this title. Name him Jesus, for he will save his people. Jesus, of course, is the Greek name. We, we have a New Testament written in Greek. But Jesus is a Hebrew person, a people of the Hebrew language. And, and Jesus and all of his family and friends would have spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. Aramaic is very akin to Hebrew. And what's interesting about this passage is the words in Aramaic and Hebrew for Jesus and salvation sound almost alike. They're very closely connected. I don't speak Aramaic, but I do know some Hebrew, and I know that Jesus, his Hebrew name is Yeshua. Yeshua. It's, it's like Joshua in English. Yeshua, like the Joshua of the Old Testament, for example. And Yeshua is the name that Jesus would have heard and recognized and experienced in his daily comings and goings. And the Hebrew word for to save is Yasha. Yasha. Yeshua Yasha. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Somebody named their kid that one day. Yeshua Yasha. So really a translation would be call him Savior because he saves. It's doubling down on the truth that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. This is the message of the gospel. This is the gift. This is the gift of Christmas. If you want to look at some other scriptures, Romans 3.23 tells us very clearly that, that all are sinning and falling short of the glory of God. Not past tense, all have sinned and fallen short. It's present tense ongoing. All are sinning and falling short of the glory of God. That was the situation. Our microwave is old and broken. It does not work. Romans 6.23, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift. Eternal life. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. This is the gift he comes to bear. And Matthew explains to us to connect with our opening scripture. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Doesn't that also sound so beautiful? God is with us, with us in Jesus. That's the Bethlehem truth, that that baby born long ago in a manger held in his hands the power to defeat sin and death and that he dwelt among us, as John's gospel tells us. He was with us. I think that's such an important proclamation because so often we as Christians become so fixated on the end, on eternity, on the final moment of God's return. We become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. We are so focused on the future that it's of no present value to us. That, 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 that what Jesus represents and shows and reveals is it's not just about then and then and when and when, but with us here and now. Sometimes don't you feel like you just need a little Jesus right here, right now in your life? I'm reminded of the story of this little girl who was deathly afraid of the dark. I was very afraid of the dark as a child. Always had to have a little night light, something to, 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 so I could see around uh, what was underneath the bed. I wondered what was in the closet. And this little girl is the same way like so many children are, aren't we? How many of you were afraid of the dark? Be honest. Okay, some of you are probably not honest. <laughs> some of us are afraid of the light. Now as you get older, you're afraid to turn the lights on and look in the mirror <laughs> and see what you see. But she was deathly afraid of the dark. And one night, it was a terrible storm. The thunder was rattling against the house, flashes of lightning, heavy, heavy rain, on and on. And so she did what so many little children will do. They, she got up and she ran to get into bed with her mom and dad. I'm scared. Go back to bed, my child, her mother told her took her back in the bed, checked under the closet, uh, under the bed, in the closet, tucked her back in. Now go to sleep. Morning will be here soon. It wasn't, but moments later, same little girl rushing back, jumping back into bed, calling up with her mother, I'm scared. Don't be scared, honey. Jesus is with you. And the little girl's reply was, yes, I know, mommy, but right now I need someone with skin on. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you need Jesus with skin on? Yeah, we know he is with us, but, but sometimes we need something right now, here. And I feel like one of the challenges of Advent is all of the messaging and the scripture is pointing to the end. Yes, things are bad now. Yes, this is a broken, fallen world. Yes, things are not as they should be, but they will be made right they will be made new. 
that at the eschaton, in the end of time, at the second coming of Christ, all things will be renewed and made right. Yes, we know that, but sometimes I need to see a little more of it today. Now, the name Emmanuel reminds us that that is possible. We don't have to wait until we die to experience salvation. We don't have to wait until we die to experience eternal life. We don't have to wait until we die to experience Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God will be with you. God with you today, here and now. And I want you to understand this about the presence of God in our lives. God is very powerfully and truly present in your life in two primary ways. Number one, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming, his death, his resurrection opens up the door for God to be with us in a way like never before in human history. Not just some distant presence, but but he is within you. As a believer, the Holy Spirit is indwelling. And the Holy Spirit is not some ethereal force. It's not some warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not some power source that you can access. He is a person. And he brings to us the very being of a living God. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink into our minds that that the power of God dwelling in the person of the Holy Spirit, dwelling in the person of me and you, every day, always with you. That's a powerful truth. And when we access the person of the Spirit, we find we can do things we shouldn't be able to do. We understand things we shouldn't be able to understand. And when we want to make a decision and we can't decide is it this way or that way, we don't have to just think about it and do our best. We can access the person of the Spirit and he will say, this is the way, walk in it. We can go to him when we are afraid and he will give us fearlessness and courage. When we feel weak, he can give us strength. When we feel confused, he can bring clarity. But we have to access it. We have to connect with it. We have to allow the person. And it's not, that doesn't mean praying some, again, ethereal prayer up to the faceless heavens or, or, or uttering some really well-worded, long, clear, poetic utterances. We're not sorcerers. We're not casting spells. Just talk to him. Just communicate with him like a real person. He listens. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you need. Tell him your hopes and your fears and your dreams. Talk to him and even more importantly, listen. Now I'm not telling you that that the Spirit will suddenly boom out in a loud voice in your kitchen and you drop all the plates in fear. That could happen. 
But more often than not, the Spirit speaks in the still, quiet voice in our hearts and our minds. When you have these thoughts that come to you, that come from outside of your ability to think and reason. The Spirit speaks through the pages of Scripture, through a song in worship, through the encouragement of others. And that's the second way that God is with us, not just in the person of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus comes to us with skin on through other believers. Have you ever had someone come to you when you are feeling depressed or angry or feeling just conflicted in your spirit and you're wrestling with some very painful thoughts and they put their hand on your side and they say, are you okay, sister? Are you okay, my brother? Can I pray for you? Friends, do you know that is God with you? God is putting that in that person's heart and mind to go to you, to be the presence of Jesus. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. We are the body of Christ, the church. The church is not the walls, you know that. It's the people. And when one brother goes to another brother to help them move their furniture, that's God with you. When one sister calls on another who's been sick or is fighting cancer and, and says, can I come and just sit with you and pray with you? That's God with us in the flesh. Don't ever, don't ever cheat the reality of that or cheapen the truth of that. Sometimes we just need Jesus with skin on. But in both of these ways, through the presence of the Holy Spirit and through the people of God, God is with us but through both of those ways, there is a little bit of requirement on our part. God is present with us, but are we present with him? Have you ever been with someone and you're telling them a story that you're so excited about and you want them to hear it and you want them to be excited with you and, and as you look over at them and you're telling them the story, their arms are crossed, they're looking down, Maybe they got their phone out. I hate this. This is one of my pet peeves. This is one of the things that makes me so aggravated is when I'm talking to someone and they're, uh-huh, 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 <laughs> LOL, uh-huh. They are with me, but they're not present, are they? God is with us. But sometimes I think this passage from Matthew asks the question, are we with him? Are we present? It doesn't matter how present God is with me or with you if we are not responding back. So God with us is both a promise and a challenge. It's both a gift and the invitation to give back. And so ask yourself, I'll leave you with this challenge today. <coughs> are you present with God? Are you experiencing the presence of God in your daily life? And if not, why not? Pray with me. Lord, we want your presence in our life. We want you to be with us. And even as we say that, we know that you are, but Lord, we don't always sense it or feel it, and we know the problem is ours. 
We pray that this Christmas season you would shake us awake again. That you would would shake us into awareness that we would have eyes that are finally open to see that you are right here with us still. You have never left us nor forsaken us, but you are always with us. Lord, help us to be present with you in the same way so that we might experience this life to the full, this joy of salvation, this hope of eternity here, now, today. In Jesus' name, amen.